0: We give glory and honor to God for granting us this opportunity to share with you. This is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Welcome, my dear listener, to this promising session of the New Life program. I'm your presenter, Samuel Mange. We're in in Standby with a Family Life segment. Today, she will talk about why opposites attract. Sister Beke Arunga will also be joining us during the Bible session to talk about the Blessed Hope. Ziwane Church Choir. We'll start us off with the song Hekalulango. Be
1: blessed. (laughs) Eka ulangu nikisi mama kama mlima mlima wazayuni Nikijawana utukufu wangu azema ewana wa majeshi Eka ulangu nikisi mama kama mlima mlima wazayuni Nikijawana utukufu wangu azema ewana wa majeshi Ondoka, onoka Nenda mlimani mkate miti Kani jengea nyumba Na mani yenu yote Ipate kuhishi katienu Na mani yenu yote Ipate kuhishi katienu Ondoka, onoka Nenda mlimani mkate miti Kani jengea nyumba Na mani yote
0: this is Adventist Soul Radio, the voice of hope. Let us now give way to Maureen Komboga to talk about how opposites attract. Be blessed.
2: Hello, dear listener. Welcome to today's Family Life program. Our theme will be celebrating our differences. And our today's topic will be why opposite attract. Have you ever wondered, perhaps secretly, if you and your spouse are really suited for each other? Are you really compatible? Is your marriage the result of a mental lapse, a misdimer or a mistake? If so, take heart. Nine out of ten married couples have all asked the same questions. In a marriage seminar, everyone was asked to list what his or her expectation of their spouse was before marriage. One man confessed he had expected his wife to meet him at the door each evening with iced tea and his slippers. It was easy for that group to laugh over the expectation because their marriage had survived dissolution and, for the most part, were comparatively healthy. But what about those who are still struggling? Without realizing it, we often envision our spouse, past, present, or future to be just like good old mom or dad. In reality, she may be a lot more like her mom than his mom, and he a lot more like his dad than her dad. If that sounds confusing to hear, imagine how confusing it is for the couple. No matter what your expectation before marriage, let me remind you that no matter how much two people are in love or share common goals and expectations, occasional disagreement is a natural byproduct of any relationship. Imagine how boring life would be, never to have differing ideas or feelings. But how do we survive our partner's needs and expectations in marriage? One way is to attend a marriage retreat weekend or enroll in seminars on marital relations. Retreats allow couples to discuss topics they might never discuss on their own, plus it is in a neutral setting. Another aid to discovery is to browse the marriage books available in your local bookstore or library. Many of them will have exercises at the end of each chapter. It will be especially beneficial if you both read the same chapter each day and then spend a thoughtful 10 or 15 minutes discussing how you can apply that information to your marriage. The more you learn about your myths, thinking process, and feelings, the more likely your marriage will be rewarding to both of you. Research indicates that similar backgrounds and interesting in four key areas are important indicators for the success of your marriage. It is important to ask yourself, is your marriage the one flesh referred to in the Bible, or is it merely two people under one roof living as roommates and sharing experiences, and sharing expenses? The first key area in marriage is a common religious background. It is significant that some studies reveal a divorce rate up to five times higher in marriages with differing religious backgrounds compared with marriages with common religious backgrounds. That doesn't mean being unequally yoked cannot work. My wife and I were unequally yoked the first nine years of our marriage, but it does mean the relationship is far more difficult. In our marriage, my wife had been raised as Christian, and I had never heard of her particular religious persuasion. Furthermore, I had no desire to learn. During her first nine years of marriage, she bore a tremendous burden as she tried to love me and our God at the same time. Unfortunately, as is often the case, our God and her husband required different actions on our part. Obvious to her inner struggle, I continued demanding the impossible from her until I, too, was introduced to God. A crucial mistake many young people make today is to assume that as long as you aren't unequally yoked, you've got it made. No way, marrying a Christian is one prerequisite for a believer. But there are others as well. Values similar to yours, complementary strengths and weaknesses, and a compatible personality are all key qualities to look for in a mate. A second key area in marriage is to have similar economic background. Lack of understanding in this area can take a tremendous toll on any relationship, especially marriage. Take the case of John and Joanne. John was from a very poor family, and he had to scrimp and save for everything he got in life. Joan, on the other hand, never knew what it meant to really save towards anything that money could buy. Our folks were quite wealthy, and our answers to all money problems was as near as the credit card in our purse. Their marriage lasted six months. Why? Because Joan's parents felt their daughter was living in poverty, and John's pride would not allow him to accept the expensive gifts they kept sharing upon him and their daughter. Their widely differing attitudes concerning money made it impossible for John and Joan to develop a meaningful relationship. A third contributing factor to a successful marriage is a common cultural background. While marriages between differing cultures and races are more acceptable in today's society than formerly, they still present problems that are not present in marriages with similar culture or racial backgrounds. It's really not the color of one's skin, but the depth of cultural indoctrination that presents problems in the area. Sometimes, a marriage between differing cultures is actually approaches to parent or society. And thus, the marriage starts out on shaky ground from the very beginning. Because of the mobility of today's society, crossing cultural lines is a likely possibility. However, unless you can accept the value system of your spouse's culture, it is unlikely that you'll ever experience real compatibility. A couple that lived next door to us experienced culture shock in their marriage. She was raised in a white, middle-class, small-town family, and he in a black, share-cropping, rural, southern family. She was raised by two parents, and he was raised by his grandmother. I counseled with them many times as they tried to unravel the complicated notes of culture wrapped up within their individual psychs. He would come to me and complain how difficult it was to talk with his father-in-law after discussing the weather and the trip over. They had little else to say. She would complain whenever his grandmother came to visit. As soon as she came in the door, she would exclaim, What's the matter with you? Doesn't your wife ever feed you? Let me fix you some down-home food. With that, she'll take over the kitchen for the duration of a visit. This couple survived for 10 years and brought three beautiful children into the world, but are now divorced. A final key area in a compatible marriage is in the area of education. There's an old story told at many universities that has a sad element of truth. When one spouse works to pay for the other's education, the couple may actually be creating grounds for future separation. The usual pattern is as follows. The wife puts her husband through his master's or doctorate. He becomes more and more educated. In the hand, they find little in common to talk about as his interests become more focused and specialized in the area of expertise. Without sharing, the marriage dries up and withers like a vine without water. Those involved in this type of problem feel used. however. Well, it presents a problem that needs to be worked through, it is not insurmountable. My wife began putting me through school after we had been married 14 years. She had graduated from high school and attended a short course in business college. I had quit high school in my senior year and did not graduate. Thus, she was really the more educated member of our family until she began to put me through school where I earned a bachelor's, master's, and eventually a doctorate. However, we took great pains to make certain my education did not separate us. Maybe one of the reasons we have been spared this problem is because with all my degrees, she can still analyze people and predict their problems faster than I can. Initially, this posed a problem in our relationship until I accepted the fact that our intuition was more accurate than all the knowledge I had gained through my intuition. Perhaps... A counterbalance to the problem of education imbalance is the ambling realization that the less educated spouse frequently has better natural intuition. One of the greatest challenges of marriage is to maintain your balance over the bumps in your relationships. The story is told about a troop of boy scouts who came across an abandoned section of railroad track. Each one in turn tried walking the rails but eventually lost his balance and tumbled off. Suddenly, two of the boys claimed that they could both walk the entire length of the track without falling off. Challenged to make good their bows, the two boys mounted opposite rails, extended their arms, locked hands, and walked the entire section of track with no difficulty whatever. Isn't that the way God intended marriages to be? Other than couples trying to go it alone, wouldn't it be much better for each partner to reach out and steady each other on their walk through life? The question we'll address in your next program is how to balance each other when you are of opposite temperaments. Thank you for listening. I've been Maureen Kombuki.
0: We appreciate those who have given us the thoughts concerning this program. We are here just for you. For those who have never communicated to us, you can start today by writing to our email address awa.narobi at akaadventist.org or writing to our producer at Adventisold Radio PO Box 42276 Code 00100 Nairobi, Kenya. Here's a song Uninyoshe Buana by Zewanichat Kwan.
1: quan. Tiang situ, ti me kata tama, si kia kilio changi. Tata Ma Siki Akiri o
0: that have been looking forward to the Bible segment. Join me as I welcome Sister Becky Arunga.
3: I am amazed at the goodness of the Lord that has enabled us to come thus far in his divine presence. He alone has made us to know that which he desires of us and requires of us to do in these last days. Many other things are happening around us, but one thing stands for sure is that the faithfulness of the Lord abounds. And the Lord does not retract his statements. Whatsoever he says, he shall do it. And his word is from everlasting to everlasting. Upon the themes of the second coming of Christ, I desire to meditate. I know not what you desire to meditate upon, or whether you know that surely this world will soon come to a close, or whether you know the fact that the things of this world will dim and lose their value when we all get to heaven. And I desire that we may ask ourselves, How shall it be when jesus christ comes back how shall the day the glorious day be when we all see our lord jesus christ i am your sister in christ Becky arunga let us pray thank you lord god for your kindness for your care and for your protection upon our lives thank you for affording us this chance to meditate upon the sacred pages of scripture Now, dear Lord, I pray in a special way that may you manifest yourself and show yourself strong in our lives. This is my prayer, believing and trusting in Jesus' name. Amen. We are studying the book of 1 Thessalonians, and the chapter is 4 and verse 13. I know sometimes because of the various struggles we may go through, we lack comfort. We we lack the joy of this world. Anxiety may take charge. And we lose the things that we desire to have on a day-to-day basis. But I want us to derive a comfort in something that is not tangible. I want us to look at a higher perspective as to what God has in store for us. And the comfort that I want us to draw is a comfort that Christ himself gave to his disciples. Before we read the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, reading from verse 13, allow me to just take it up from John chapter 14, looking at the basis of our comfort, chiefly based on the promise of Jesus Christ to his disciples. As Christ was nearing the closing scenes of his ministry, he knew that the hearts of his disciples were troubled. They were not ready for the event that was they were going to face. They were not prepared for that which was in store for them. But we find that John chapter 14 verse 1 records, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now Jesus is trying to say that there is a need for us not to be troubled, for we believe in God. Why so? Because in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. Essentially, Christ is trying to give the disciples an antidote for anxiety which is that and if i go and prepare a place for you i will come again and receive you so the comfort that the disciples can receive is this one that there is comfort in knowing that christ who went will come again and take us to the place that he has gone to prepare for us but how shall he come that is the question we seek to answer in First Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13. This is what um, Paul writes. But I do not want you to be ignorant, uh, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. You know, there is a juxtaposition between these words. Christ is saying, do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. For I go to prepare for you a place. So there is a hope that the dead shall rise. And if Christ rose, surely we who believe in him shall rise again. And this is what Paul is addressing. It says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep Jesus, that if Christ died and rose, it is possible that those who die in Christ will also get a chance to rise up. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. What are we trying to bring out here? Essentially, Paul is trying to bring to view some two concepts that we need to understand. One. The first thing is that at the coming of Jesus, the dead in Christ shall rise. But those who are alive will not precede them. Just to show that they will hear the trumpet sound rise up and we who are alive will be caught up in the air together with our Lord. It is Sad that some of us believe in the living dead, just to show that someone dies, yet they are alive. But when someone dies, it is referred to as asleep, so that when Christ comes, he shall awake them from their slumber, those who die in the Lord. Secondly, Paul is addressing the fact that the coming of the Lord is a glorious event. It is preceded by the voice of trumpets, by the voice of archangels, by a shout like no other. And so essentially what we find here is that Paul is trying to tell us that all nation, all creation shall be able to behold the coming of the Lord in the clouds. All shall be able to see that this is our Lord whom we have been waiting for and is here to save us. And so the Lord coming as king will not come as someone who desires to be there secretly. But he is coming as one who is victorious. Now the fact of Christ coming as a thief that is addressed in the concept that his coming is not known by any of us but essentially his coming is taking place at a time that we do not expect but to the believer the coming of christ should not catch us unaware why because jesus has made provision by letting us know of the signs that shall precede his coming and the one thing that stands out for me is this. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. What a joy it is that thenceforth from the coming of Christ, if we who are rushes are able to be part of the first resurrection, we shall be with the Lord forever. And that is the source of our comfort. I don't know exactly what has been giving you anxieties. I don't know whether your sin is giving you anxiety as to whether you will make it in heaven or not. But this one thing I know the Lord Himself shall come. The Lord Himself is mighty to save. Christ Jesus, our Lord, delights. He takes delight when we repent. And forsake our evil ways. Why? Because Christ accepts us just as we are. And his grace that he gives us is the teacher. That teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. That Christ takes us just as we are. And gives us the joy of full salvation that comes in obedience. Because by obeying him we behold him and we become more and more like him. Beloved, I entreat you this day. If you have been harboring contrary thoughts or ideas or convictions as to the coming of the Lord, know this one thing. His coming is literal. His coming is glorious. And if perchance you have lost a loved one, do not lose hope. If your loved one died in the Lord, and if you remain faithful in the Lord, at the end of the age as Christ is coming back, the dead in Christ shall rise fast, and we who are alive shall be caught up with them in the air. What a day that will be! How I desire to meet you there. How I desire to see you when we shall behold the blessed hope. I pray that the Lord may keep you faithful and trusting, and keep you from falling as he has promised until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Thank you, everlasting Father, for the blessed hope, for the assurance of full salvation. Keep us faithful, keep us trusting, keep us serving, and keep us from falling. For we wait upon you, we delight in your presence, and we desire to see you face to face. Thank you for every good and every perfect gift, my Lord. And I pray that may your presence ever uncover us and encompass us with a favor as a shield, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved, thank you for being with us. I pray that may the Lord bless you and keep you safe. Till we meet again, be blessed.
0: It has been nice having your company in case you have any views, comments, or questions about the show, write to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box four two seven six code 100 Nairobi, Kenya. Or email us through Nairobi at ek.adventist.org. Until then, I have been your presenter, Samuel Mangi. Stay safe, stay
1: blessed. Eto du labuhi ki si mama komo libo libo waza Nikijawana utukufu wangu Asema ewana wa majeshi Eka ulangu nikisi mama Kama mlima mlima wa sayuli Nikijawana utukufu wangu Asema ewana wa majeshi Kondoka kondoka Nenda mlima ni mkate miti Kani jengea nyuka Na mani ipate kuishi kati yetu namali yetu yote ipate kuishi kati yetu onoko onoko mlimani nyumba enu yote ipate enu yote ipate Kwa shangaha wa kinona, haraka ni gitu, mezi patatoka Kwa mungu, zizi zohe sabika Kwa nini sasatu, siji tole, mjengea nyuma takatiku Haraka ni gitu, mezi patatoka Kwa mungu, zizi zohe sabika sasa nini sasatu, siji tole, mjengea nyuma takatiku Onoka Onoka, Madame Limani, mukate mici, Kali jenge njumba. Namariye, New York ibate kufi shikati eh, New. Namariye, New ibate kufi shikati eh, New. Onoka Onoka, Madame Limani, mukate mici, Kali jenge njumba. Namariye, New York Chyba dziecu ku viši ta jenu, na Mari Jenu ja, chyba dzieku